Sonder, the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own, populated with their own ambitions, friends, routines, worries, and inherited craziness. An epic story that continues invisibly around you like an anthill sprawled deep underground with elaborate passageways to thousands of other lives that you'll never know existed in which you might appear only once as an extra sipping coffee in the background, as a blur of traffic passing on the highway, as a lighted window at dusk. This is the Sonder Podcast by Tolu Omoba, where we want to hear your story and opinion. Please listen and enjoy. Welcome back to the Sonder Podcast with Tolu Omoba. I'm great. I am happy to have Rennie and Camel back on. Rennie's going to continue doing an awesome, amazing job of hosting and and continue asking us questions about love, marriage, and relationships, etc. So, Rennie, please take the floor. Hey, guys. It's me again. I'm happy to be back on here with y'all. Last week was definitely fun. And I had a bunch of questions that I had, but I can only get through half. So we're going to try to power through the last half today. Awesome. How are y'all doing? We're good. Chilling. Great. Is everybody working from home still? I'm in. I'm getting fat, bro. I got to get out there and do some cardio or something. Oh nah, I can't have that happen, but <laughs> nah, 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 nah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm. Gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I, I get it together pretty, relatively quickly. You got yeah. time. I still go to work. You go into the I office. Still go to work. I do. I still go into the office every day, and uh, I've been able to keep active. I have a pull-up bar, and uh, I do push-ups and pull-ups. It's not what I'd like, but I'm. I'm maintaining, so we good. I mean. Wow. Shout out! Shout out to coronavirus. I mean, no, not the people who get, got sick. And, <laughs> not, not the, no. I, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm not insensitive to the people who got sick. And, Hashtag Corona Bay in the in the pandemic. But I've been at home for like a month, two almost, or so over a month, and I've been getting paid. You know, I, I don't have any rude coworkers and no commute. Fair. Count your blessings. Count my blessings. I count my blessings and I must um, love. Thoughts and prayers to everybody out there who's sick or lost a loved one. But um, go ahead, Rennie. Sure. All right. So before we started recording, we were having a, a side conversation about how marriage has been presented to each of us. And the theme was that, you know, um, from a Western perspective, marriage has been presented as the ultimate union as far as love goes. So you have two romantic lovers who are choosing to spend the rest of their lives one, with one another, make something happen. Um, it's it's all like fluffy and, and butterflies and flowers and romanticism. And then on the other side, there's a marriage that is more traditionally grounded, where you're doing it to keep the family going or for the purpose of culture. Um, you know, you're bringing two people together for more than just these are two people who like each other or are in love with one another. So I want to kick off today's recording by asking, do each of you desire to be married? Just a quick yes or no. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. What's the next rich? Okay, maybe you'll get into the asterisk in a minute. But what do you want your marriage to look like? That's the asterisk. I had an I had an idea for a very long time, a long standing, solid idea of what my marriage would look like. And as I got older, and I started seeing the nature of us human beings, myself included. And people, I realized that, um, and I started seeing trends, and maybe I watched too many negative people on YouTube, but um, I, I just started seeing, like, difficulties in um, fulfilling 
an idea of what your marriage would look like. And I started looking more at, okay, what, what would happen if it went south? And that's actually kind of a scary situation. But no, I do, I do want to get married. But the asterisk was, I want to get married, but I am okay with the idea that if I don't get married, it's not the worst thing in the world. What do you want? I'm sorry. What, I know. What was that camera? So what do you? Her her question was uh. So what's your what's your what does your ideal marriage look like then? Um. That was the question. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you components of what I would like in a marriage, right? So. Someone who compliments who you are. So um before, and and I know I'm going around because I have to kind of go to the before to get to the what it's like now. I thought I was going to be like, oh, I'm the man of the house and my woman's going to support me and we're going to raise children. And, you know, that's what I was taught to believe, you know, like, you know, I'm going to go to work and come back. And, you know, my wife works. I'm not saying that she's a slave, but then, you know, she's more of a domestic um, cultural type of wife. Just how I grew up. Don't judge me. Um, And, you know, we raise kids and we do family things and we stay connected to a community. Um, but as I got older, I started realizing that a lot of people... So I, I find myself more attracted to women who are educated. Um, okay. Um, and, I've, and the people that I've been in relationship, relationships with tend to have a slightly different viewpoint of what they thought marriage was compared to what I thought marriage was. Um, and I started seeing just animosity and tension between men and women just going around. And I started seeing a lot of women who I feel have a negative view of men. And that turned me off from them. So it's kind of like a circle. Mm-hmm. Like somebody might have turned them off and then they turned me off and then I'm probably turning somebody else off. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, you know, but um, so, and I found, and this is just the, the part that kind of made it weird. I found that I was happier outside of relationships than I was inside of relationships at a certain point, okay, because of the because of the drama, the misunderstandings, Thanks. tension, mm-hmm. the expect the expectations, you know, and I felt like, oh, this is a lot, you know. But you still want to be married. You still desire marriage, though, right? I I think I think joining with somebody for a life goal, a part, you know, is a good thing. Raising a family is a good thing. I think these things are good things. I think um, caring about somebody is a good thing. And that's another thing. Um, I think in this Western culture, we talk about love, but there's a toxic environment where people think if you care about somebody, they're going to take advantage of you. Uh, that's a whole different um, conversation. But, um, but. So, uh, to me, it sounds like you don't know what you want your marriage to look like. I mean that's pretty much what I'm what I'm saying. Okay. I told you there was there was an ostrich. That's what the ostrich. Hello. Okay. No, Kamu, you're good. Yeah, Kamu, you're good. Oh, okay. I, I I just realized I sounded really messed up. Now let me clarify for a second. I, I don't know what a good marriage is per se because I've seen what I thought was a good marriage when I when I looked at it closely. Um, it didn't seem like it was that. And my dad died when I was in my mid twenties. You know, um, I don't have a lot of uncles and aunts. I'm different than African-American, so I can't... The way I look at things is different than the way African-Americans look at things. So there's really not a lot of uh, information for people like me, in my opinion, on what a good marriage is. I see. And, and that's the, that's my hesitancy of getting into it, because I don't have a lot of examples, a lot of information, because I don't want to get into something and it, it just turns south, and I'm just not happy. Got it. So... Sounds like you're, you, know, like, you know what you don't want. I, I know... That's on the road. I know. I I know some do. things that I do want, and I know some things that I don't want, and I'm not seeing an example of some of those without the other. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. I think it's still a kind of a roundabout way to answer the question. It, it sounds like you know what you would want your marriage to look like, but you're afraid of it looking that way because should it turn out to not be all that you want it to be, then that'll just be like devastating to you. 
Um, you've yet to describe those characteristics, but that's okay. I'm gonna yeah, push it over yeah, to com- <laughs> We're we're com- look. Come on, you. We all say we're as people. We're complex. You know, we got so we have so much information. We don't even know how to organize it. Yeah, sometimes I know. But if you let's say you had a test paper and they just said write four characteristics that you want to have in your marriage in thirty seconds, you could come up with something. And that's what I'm asking you that's- to do. That's it. okay. All right. Okay. Mutual respect. Number one. Right. Realistic expectations. Number two. Um, um, accountability. Number three. Um, shared goals, shared, you know, um, interests and desires real quick. Son, that's all you needed to do. Oh, that was good though. No, because I th- I figured I, I mean just going off the conversation we had before we started, you did have a very positive view of what marriage looked like um, coming up, and obviously th- some things have kind of shaken that. Not saying that those things weren't good, but you've seen the flip side of it, and I think that those four yes. things that you've listed are really strong um, characteristics that one um, should and can expect. Um, to have in their marriage. So I'm, I'm glad that you detailed that for us. I'm going to kick it to Kamo real quick so he has a chance to answer as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I kind of like I, I had a good answer until Tolu came up with, the, came up with those four. <sighs> Distilled down. Um, <laughs> but I think... It's not going to be a succinct, but I'll I'll try to keep it that way. I think I think that if arguing is going to be inevitable, there will be conflict, and so I think that's the realistic aspect of total what he was talking about. So I would want an ideal marriage to be founded upon constructive uh, uh, conflict resolution. Number one. Um, Number two, I think that the two people should complement each other out. So let's say I know that I'm more of an abstract kind of a guy uh, having difficulty with like the the mundane routine tasks to get a job done. I can think of good ideas, but I need somebody who is going to be a uh, grounded person. Um, and I think I can give that person an ability, you know, to maybe think in certain realms that they can't by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's... That's where I'm at. It. Um, it's not much to go on, but so no, no, that was good. I'm just curious. Like, none of you want a wife who you like enjoy spending time with. Um, y'all have fun together. Y'all do different things together. Y'all laugh together. Like, none of that is important to you in a marriage. No. So let me let me let me um be honest in my answering that question. We do want to do things together. We don't. We don't really necessarily want it as much, or as 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 extreme as I, t- I women. As I see, I tend the biggest problem I see with a lot of people is that the women want to spend more time with the guy and energy, and the guys like, "Dog, I'm drained, bro. I'm just trying to chill." You know. No, like, I just I, without you. No, I just I just mean in general though. Like it was just interesting to me that and neither right. neither of your responses were like anything light or fluffy like yeah i want somebody who i'm cool with i want somebody who like i look at her across the room she looks at me and like we already know what's up when we get home like i want to have fun i want to do this it was all like mutual respect and uh constructive conflict resolution it's like okay i'm not saying anything's wrong i'm just curious like do you desire those things or are those not even on your radar we desire the other thing observation i think that is interesting but go ahead yeah, but I think we desire this thing that we mentioned more because of what we experienced. Like we you know I mean, everybody wants the person that they can laugh and joke with and have a good time, but based on experience, conflict resolution is a very big thing. Accountability is a very big thing. You know, um realistic expectations is a very big thing. Um we we kind of almost assume that we're gonna like each other, you know, kind of like I assume that if I approach a girl and we get together yeah. We're assuming that oh, we're going to get along and we're going to like each other, but what we have seen is that there are some bigger, overarching issues that never that don't seem to get addressed a lot of times, 
and it and it's like deal breakers for some dudes. Like, yo, I can't, I can't deal with this. Interesting, but maybe, yeah. maybe in that traditional view of marriage, where like you were talking about um, the previous generation, African parents, aunts, uncles, maybe those marriages they did have those things, but they didn't have the we laugh, we have fun together, or like they didn't have the affection. Oh, yeah, my parents. They didn't have the the outward displays of saying I love you, and maybe something was oh, lacking not- with that too. I mean that's 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 the, for me. My parents were Nigerian. They've never fought in front of me. I mean, when I got older, they argued a little bit, but they. My mother told me that they intentionally never fought in front of me. Um, they did everything. My dad was a pastor for a while. They did everything together. They went places as pastor and missus. Okay. You know? But but it was never like, baby, I love you, like joking and throwing around. My dad was a very serious dude. You know, he wasn't. He he just wasn't that type of dude. He wasn't like uh, you know. Baby, come here. Let me tickle you. Are you dude. that uh, kind of dude, though? I can be playful, but I mean, and let's be real. Um, dealing with different kind of women, like I told you, some women like certain traits and dudes, and that's not something that I got. Like, yo, this is this is what I need. They, some women, do desire a lot of those things, but if you're lacking in some of the other things that they need, then they're just going to straight trash you. Fair. You know? Yeah, you, I get you know, that. I just think it was interesting that you said that if you check all these other boxes, like the respect, the realistic expectations, that y'all will naturally just like each other. And I'm like, I don't know that that's the case, but I hear you. I mean, um, this is going to. I kind of feel like I kind of feel like uh, the love part, the the chilling out part. I don't know, man. I, I'm in the flux too. I don't know where I'm at. I I, I know I'm at a place now where. Uh, I don't idealize love or romanticize it as much as I definitely did when I was younger. I know that much. Definitely. Um, And I also, I'm hoping this might be the case where it's like, we talked, we we touched on this yesterday, but there's a principle where it's like, if you chase after something more important, then incidentally you'll get uh, something desirous as a byproduct. Like if you chase your goals and your dreams and let's say uh, stability, then you'll get, um, (laughs) we say you'll get your woman in in the end. Or I think it's the same principle as, you know, seek ye first the kingdom, then everything else will come on to you. You know what I'm saying? Pastor. It's like, you know what I'm saying? So those are, the, those are the same two principles. And I think with love and marriage, I kind of feel like if you found the union upon uh, maybe much more sustainable mm-hmm. principles, then the love can flourish and be more and, and be than chasing the love aspect in itself. I'll give you a conversation that me and my ex-girlfriend had. While y'all were dating or after y'all broke up? While we're dating, okay. and I'm gonna have to, mm. I'm gonna have to pay her because I keep using her as an example. Don't pay her um, don't, don't let her listen to this podcast. Nah, though. she's definitely <laughs> right. never gonna happen. N- never gonna happen. Um, she asked me like, "Why are you so? You know, you don't like? Because she likes to watch Hallmark movies and like I felt like little. She like doing little kid stuff. In my opinion, that's how mm. I looked at it, right? Okay. And she was like, "Why are you? Why are you so hard?" I'm like. I'm been a man for like the next, last ten years. Being a man makes you, makes you freaking hard. What you got to freaking deal with as a man in life makes you hard. Mm. Especially when my family started struggling. Mm. Like I don't got I don't got time for that that cute shit. Like niggas got to <laughs> niggas got to right. got to eat. <laughs> yeah, it's bills to pay. Yeah, I mean, because like I said, my story is different from most people. Like, yeah, hold on, hard times can't. Everyone's story is different from the next person. So you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right, Rennie. My apologies. But um yeah, we're those this way, but, so. but no, but for yeah. for a period of time, um since I turned like twenty two, things got really mm-hmm. tough. And you know, I told my dad died in his mid twenties, my mid twenties, mm-hmm. right? And family responsibilities started falling on people's shoulders. Yeah. And it fell on your shoulders. Yeah, men, the men and the women in my family handled it differently, acted differently, were treated differently when these responsibilities fell on people's mm-hmm. shoulders, right? And um, I learned that yo, life is different for for some of yeah. us, and and a lot of that playfulness, a lot of that. That kind of stuff kind of just left a little bit, you know. I'm like, no, man. Look, I'm, uh, all I care about is that I got a roof on my head, I got food on the table that nobody bothers me. I don't, I don't. If I'm, I'm over here trying to stop the 
house from burning down, but you're having a, a, a logical argument about something that doesn't matter. And I'm sitting here like, yo, I need to record this argument so people can like hear it. <laughs> and I mean, like, I, I mean, like it, you, your, your mindset just changes. Like, I don't care about someone. This is what I care about because this is what's important to me right okay. now. You know, I don't need to sound. You've already sounded whatever you don't mean to sound, but I understand. Yeah, well, well, don't I understand. Yeah, well, <laughs> so I guess I do. I, I guess I do mean to sound that way. I don't know. It, it, it's you are well, who you are. It's fine. Go ahead. Go ahead, yeah. go ahead, Camel. Toto and I were talking last week, and you know there, um, I there's some similar like you know my like my oldest friend Loic, Tolu, and Ade are they have you know they're not entirely the same person they're not they're not but um just to different degrees they've had responsibility either thrust upon them or they take it upon themselves even if it's oh no no they had they've had responsibility and like let's say tragedy thrust upon them in the ways which kind of you know accelerated the need to mature and to distill what's important from what's unimportant Mm -hmm. you know and I think that's probably why to answer your question, Renny, like why that whole, you know, Kiki, the Kamir Boo thing isn't at the top of it. It's it's a presumption at this point, right? But there are more important things. And I think that even men who don't necessarily go through a tragedy, you know, that's really, really, you know, earth shattering. I think a lot of men even willingly take upon burdens of life to find purpose. And it's the men who actually don't have those burdens or find who don't find, find things to be responsible for are the ones who are... The, are the ones who are depressed and you know aimless and stuff and unhappy and don't know what they want. So, so I want to I want to I want to ask Renny a question. So you you, I sounded a certain way. What is your critique of the conversation that I just had? Your honest critique. It's not a critique. I just think that it's clear that you've had certain life experiences that have um, shaped you to think in the way that you think, and. You have the right to think whatever you choose to think. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, uh, not, I'm not sitting here thinking like, I, I just think it's it's good for you to say say what you say, say it with your chest and leave it as opposed to the having to say, you know, I'm not trying to sound X, Y, Z. It's like, you know, whoever's willing to um, listen to you for understanding will do that. Whoever wants to critique you will. But I don't think it's something that you have to, you know, kind of, circle back and be apologetic for like we, we hear you we understand what you're saying that's fair very fair yeah. okay um next question this kind of ties in um you know you've talked about your parents you not so much camo but um what is one important lesson that you learned from your father about being a boy or a man um what is one important lesson that you've learned from your father that challenges something your mother taught you? Hmm. So my stepfather is Nigerian and he's been around since I was eight and my mom got married to him when I was 16. Um, so that's the closest example to a father I have. He's my father. He's my stepfather. Um, and the question is, what might he have taught me that is what counter to what my mom has yeah. taught me? Is that what you're asking? No, or yeah, something different? that is counter or or challenges um, what your mother has taught you. My mom is in the clinical sense, not in the. I don't even know. She she's neurotic, and I say that with no bad connotation. She um, she is a worrier. She's a planner, and that kind of stuff. Um, and my stepfather, he is too, um, but he's much more of the quiet, laissez-faire, things will come, things will go kind of thing. Where it's like, don't get yourself worked up on things that you can't change. Don't worry about things that have a, have a remote chance of happening. Do what you can do now and prepare. And if things, should, if shit is the fan, then shit is the fan. And then you, you, you recalibrate when it happens, but don't think about things that haven't, that haven't happened yet. My mom is not that way. So that's what I've taken from him. True accountant. <laughs> yeah, my stepfather is so an accountant. So, do you think? Uh huh. Do you think your mom 
taught you to that you should be neurotic and worry about things or is that just something you observed that you picked up from her but like from him you learned that that's not the way yeah it's it's not like hey, her son my mom was like because yeah. you know it was just me and her for the most part of 14 so she didn't actually say oh you need to no she would say yeah you you need to do all these things um um and i would i don't know i don't i guess i haven't thought about it that deeply but um your question was did she yeah, actually teach me these things or is it just something you what? observe like there's a difference between this is how my um, my mother and my stepfather are different versus this is what my mother taught me that this is the way I should do things. And then my stepfather was like, nah, you should do things this other way. Well, yeah, I don't, I, I guess with everything, with both my mom and my father, it was never like sit down. I had to tell you something. It was just through observation and through what they would, you know, through what mm-hmm. they would uh, harp on if I were to make a misstep. Somewhere. So if I were to like, my, my stepfather, for instance, never really concerned himself mm-hmm. with my grades growing up my mom mm-hmm. definitely did you know um so it's so it's not like i guess the lesson wasn't just how they re- how they would react to i guess what my natural way of doing things my stepfather didn't really instill in me he he does all the chores of the house and he would do all the chores of the house if if um mm-hmm. if it was up to his choice it's my mom who said Listen, go wash the dishes <laughs> go help your stepfather get the leaves go show yeah. you know what i'm saying um and it's so that's so those are the lessons. My my stepfather, like like Tolu's father, like he just he's a provider. I'm gonna do all this. What he my stepfather might have could have benefited from was taking me along with him and teaching me to do these things instead of my mother. Yeah, me, yeah exactly. Instead of my mother telling me to he's go do it. He's just like with my him. dad. My dad my dad was completely mm. hands off. Except when he slapped you <laughs> if you didn't do something right. Literally you know? hands on. <laughs> <laughs> literally hands on, literally hands on, physically hands off as far as like teaching and yeah. you know because his thing was go to school and f- figure it out. I grew up hard. I figured it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's kind of his um, you know I I came to America. I got my masters and and this and that and I did that and I didn't have nobody helped me, kind of mentality. Um, my mom. So my dad was hands off as far as teaching. My mom was the complete opposite. My mom and my dad are the complete opposite people. My dad is tough. My dad is rude. My dad, but he's rude. My dad is blunt. He's firm. Not rude. He's, he's, blunt. Firm. He's, he's firm. He's blunt. <laughs> he's like, like, uh, you know, my mom be like, oh, Tolu, you're fine. My dad like, Tolu, you're fat. You need to lose weight. Or like, like, Tolu, it's okay. Tolu, <laughs> you're stupid. Your brother's smarter than you. You need to do better. No, so, I mean, like, I mean, he was, he, I mean that's kind of like his, his way of communicating, you know? And, but uh, my mom yeah. is a more, was a more hands on. Like Tolu, these are the. If you want to find a good wife, if you want to deal with your stress, Tolu. If you want to do this and do so, she, but the difference is, my mom is. Uh, she's a staunch. I mean, almost like Jesus freak mm-hmm. Christian, right? Mm-hmm. So she believes a lot in. The totality of the Bible. Yeah, she believes in. Things just pray God's going to take care of things. And my dad's like, I need to get out there and make stuff happen. Okay. So that's that's one thing that's different between my two parents. My dad is, I need to go out there and make things happen. My mom is like, God is going to take care of everything, you know. And my mom's life is kind of like when stuff happened, my dad took care of it. Her children took care of it. Now she works. Now she works. She she lives in the church, and the church takes care of a lot of things. So, in her perspective, she's right. But, but there were men. Well, there were people in the background who make, facilitated making that. Making things happen. Making things happen. Right. My dad. My dad was a make things happen type of guy. Mm. My mom was like, "Oh, everything's going to be taken care of." And it was taken care of. And it was yeah, pretty much type of thing, right? Right. But she, she, but that's the reason why she was definitely more had more time. Number one, but wouldn't sit down and say, "Tolu, uh, if you," oh, my mom would say something like, "Tolu, if you show a girl that you love her with all your hearts, everything will go your way." <laughs> and my dad was like, "Hey, you got a girl? If she she didn't do this, at least she, at least she at least she likes you. Most girls just want something from you." Those are conversations, two different conversations that 
my mom and my dad, <laughs> you know, wow. you know. Mm. Yeah. But you know, my my dad was was a great guy. He, he died young because I think he, put, he took on too much burden. Mm. But he was he was definitely a trailblazer. For sure. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that's the contrast. I shared a lot just now. Yeah, same, that's real though. Same. I like it. So, yeah, that, those were two good ans- answers. Um, I'm curious, um, just hearing the different experiences you've had with with each of your your parents and, and step parents. Has there been anything that you know? Some people will say like, "Oh, a woman can't raise a man or can't teach a, a a boy how to be a man." Um, are there any lessons that you picked up from your mothers that have shaped the the kind of man that you are today? Definitely, but my but the majority of who I am is probably my father. The majority of the things that water that down are definitely my mother. Mm. So her 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 softness, I guess, her soft touch. Yeah. Yeah, my if I was raised by my dad alone, I'd be a complete psychopath. Wow. I mean, only because it was that mm. it was because it was that tough. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I you, you and, and again being Nigerian in America, you know, your neighbors don't like you. The teachers really don't like you. Uh, honestly, to be honest with you, your classmates don't really like you because you're different. You know, so you got to deal with that. Then you come home because everybody doesn't like you. Sometimes you don't do as well in school as you should. You come home, your parents discipline you because you're not doing well, but they don't understand that people don't like you. You know, it's a, it's a world, it's a whirlwind of like, okay, everybody's trying to drive me crazy. So you ha- you need to have that balance of somebody who's tough and somebody who's loving. I see. You know, so without, if I was raised mm-hmm. by my mom, I would be one of these uh, young uh, televangelists who have no job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and just go around and just try to, you know, and, you know, but if I was raised, yeah, you know, if I was raised on my dad, I'd be a really tough, savage, savage guy. Yeah. No yeah, love, no, no nothing. No sympathy, no, no it's love, a good, it's no a good, it's yeah, a good balance. True. Right, right. What about you, Kamala? <laughs> um, my mom, man, my mom. Okay, so. I guess I'll give a little bit of a little bit of background here. My mom, like I said, raised me by herself for most of my childhood. And in fact, so you know, she came here in '85. She had me five years later while she was still in school. Um, she said, "Of course, I learned this later, but you know, of course, I was an accident." <clears throat> she sent me back to Lesotho when I was two months old, so she could finish her studies. Um, I came back when I was two to America, and uh, you know, looking back, I now see like she had to. Hmm. become a man in a way um, just to raise me because um, you know here she was in a foreign country by herself and she's not Nigerian or, or West African so there's there's really not a big community of Southern Africans so she, she really had to do it by herself um, and so looking back like I, I think I was I told my man Richard this the other day mm-hmm. like I was a latchkey kid I'll come home to an empty house um, or if my mom had you know she, she bought a house when I was seven that she couldn't ultimately sustain but when she was trying to sustain it, you know, I would be in the house by myself, only child. She works all night. I had a nightlight on, that kind of stuff. And so now it's like, I'm asking, like, man, what was going through your mind and all that? And, you know, there were some men that came into the life. One of them eventually becoming my stepfather um, that I now know she was just very, 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 like, scrutinizing you know my son comes first and the man who needs to be here needs to be able to like help me one but also vibe with my kid so the lessons i learned from my mom uh was kind of like what my stepfather eventually filled in a, in a way um provide allow their space you know allow their space to like allow their space to relax but here's here's it's weird, like like a negative uh-huh. lesson, not negative, like anti lesson. My mom had to forego a lot of her dreams to raise me, um, which she's now pursuing. Like she just graduated, like like this like this month, she just graduated from Marymount University. She, I mean, she been got a master's, like even before I was born. Oh, that's what she, that's what she was doing when I when I when I lived in the Soto, she was getting her master's, but she never was able to pursue mm-hmm. um, what she really liked to do. And she's doing it now. So I think, to answer your question succinctly, 
I would like to be the thing that a woman needs, some sort of sanctuary, some sort of sanctum base that she can mm. fully realize herself um, instead of having to, you know, put away dreams for what's immediate right now. If that makes sense. Yeah. Shout, shout out. out. To all, shout out to all That's our moms, number one in my life. Yes. Shout <laughs> out. Shout out. Yeah. All moms matter. <laughs> all moms matter. That makes it sound automatically negative. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Nah. Okay. Um, what are some ways that you plan to be intentional? about how you raise your children. Mm, I'm going to play Mozart when they're in the belly. Uh, going <laughs> to introduce them to vocabulary, um, spend time with them. All the things I, you know, again, I don't want to make this a stop story, mm. but, I, you know, all the things I'm realizing now I didn't have growing up, you know. And not because Right. Not because my mom didn't want to, but because she she literally couldn't, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just be around, you know. Um, I I I have a personal kind of a theme where I don't think that children below ten really have a concept of time, and this is just a personal thing. I think that you don't really know the times when you spent like an hour or two going somewhere. You don't. You don't need to register that you were bored when you were five. There was no concept of bored. It was like things were happening now and then things were happening then. Um, you don't really notice the the training it takes to learn chess when you're six, the strategy it takes. You don't really know, you know what I'm saying? Maybe maybe you're in school, you're aware of the concept of time when you want to leave for recess or go home, but like that's about it. And so um, I think that I want to fill my kids' time with a lot of the things. Foundational things? I don't know how to say it. A, lo- a lot of the... Boring. Foundational things that might be boring when, mm. if you get older, but they're like essential when you're when you're young. Especially and and mm-hmm. and are really absorbing that without really knowing learning. Okay, so, that's a weird way. But, yeah, that's my answer. Um, <laughs> I don't want to be specific at anything, so I don't want to. By that, I don't want to try to live vicariously through my kids. Yeah, I I want to spend the first six or seven years of their mm. lives getting them adjusted to the world that they're about to embark on. So most importantly, I want to make sure that they learn how to read and write, that they learn how to uh, communicate effectively, learn to take care of themselves, you know, their, you know, their clothes, their hygiene, learn how to communicate with their peers, introduce them to sports, you know, and, and introduce them to the rudimentary things like reading, writing, math, science stuff. But I just want them to get well-adjusted well prepared and then let them grow naturally mm. so so for me the first like one to seven years of their lives i just want to make sure that okay you got everything you need you're well adjusted you know you you got good family life you know loving uncles and aunts and brothers and sisters and friends but you still have the foundation so i'm going to put a lot of heavy attention on the first like seven years and then after that you know okay do you like what do you like you know focus on what you like and build upon what you like, and I'm not going to pressure you to do anything, except just do something. Don't I'm not going to pressure you to do anything. Just do something, you know. And then after that, it's just, it's just, it's my, huh? How much, how much are you going to impress upon them schoolwork? I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to. How much beat, are you going to impress upon them schoolwork? Over it because you in the traditional a lot of school is nonsense. They what just if have... they're like ten and they say, "Daddy, I don't want to go to school anymore." I mean, that's not going to happen. Obviously, okay. <laughs> but I mean, but but uh, at the end of the day, there are people who are successful in this world who didn't go to school. Yeah, but what what are they what if they're what do they bring right, home so, like? So what's what's so your standard? We all C's are good or A's only? Uh, it's about how you learn. Show me what you show me what you learn. Show me what you're good at. How are you progressing mm. at what you're good at? And I'm not going to say, all right, you got an A in this class, you got to be in that class. You may never use that class again in your life. Are you well adjusted? Did you communicate people well? Are you good at something? What are you learning? What are you? What are you? What are you? What are you building in yourself at a young age? I mean, if you're just getting grades 
good grades every year and it's just different grades in different classes that don't really correlate to anything specific, then you're just going to be a grade getter for the rest of your life, you know? And then people who are creative, people who have different skills mm. are going to be more successful than you, you know? So I'm like, mm. what are people who spent the last 10, 15 years of their lives being good at a specific thing, they're going to be, they're going to be better than you. I mean, because people, you know, grades, but again, I have a skewed vision of what school is because we've all gotten degrees. Most people I know have gotten degrees and most people are, are terribly unhappy. I have engineers who just quit engineering and they just want to be a plumber. You know, people who went to law school, Columbia Law School, who's just trying to get an office job, you know? Like, mm. like grades and that, that to me, that don't, that don't mean shit. Like, what are you good at? What, what, what can you do to the world, the world? What can you provide to the world and to society that the, the world and society can say, well, thank, thank you, young man and woman, for providing this to us. You're good. Like, you know, like entertainers or dancers or architects or engineers, but they, got, they have to want to be good at it. They don't want, I don't want them to do it just because they want to get good grades or because they want, to com- they want to compete with other people to show that they're better than them, you know? Got it. I'm just imagining you giving this talk to like a little eight-year-old boy who's sniffling because <laughs> things aren't going well in school and he's just looking like, I don't have an answer to any of these questions. But I mean, I'm obviously going to teach them reading, writing, and if they're struggling in the subjects, I'm going to give them the tools, but I'm not going to become home. You got to A, you're you're stupid. You're worthless. You, you, why, look at your friend over there. He has a he has a you got you got a B, but he has an A. You know, I'm like, no. What are you good at? Yeah. Where are your skills at? You know, you know, because like, look, look at look at most of our presidents. Are, most of our presidents are freaking idiots, except for Obama. <laughs> you know, but they they have charisma. You know, they have things that make them successful in in life. You know, right. you know. I mean, look at your entertainers. Look at the, look at a lot of entrepreneurs. They're good at something. They drop out of college. They they're good at something, and they they monetize what they're good at. Fair, you know. But that's just me. I'm I'm a different type of guy. No, you're not. Um, yeah, I I think that was a good answer though. The the well adjusted having kids who are well adjusted. You guys kind of said similar things. Um, although I think Camo, beyond your child being well adjusted, it sounds like you want to give them some of the things that you didn't have. Um some of the love and attention and extra care that you didn't have. Um, and I think they'll be better off for it. Yeah. I mean, love and attention. I don't think that you should, should try to give love and attention. I think that should just, if you care about people, that's just how you interact with them. Right. In my opinion, you know? Yeah. I hear what you're saying, but I would argue that there is something worth being intentional about. Like being intentional about you can of course you know you have a child you love your children because they came from you, but I think showing them that you love them and telling them that you love them and doing things that don't make them question like are you my parent because <laughs> y'all don't act like people who 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 wanted me or who loved me I think there is a there is value in being intentional about that. Well, can I can um, I can I say that for the longest time in my adult life in my child life I didn't I didn't think my my dad cared about me but then when I became a man and I saw what it takes to be a man and when I interacted with my dad later in life and I was doing well in school um, it was I understood the unspoken way he cared about me I'm back I think yes you can realize um, that there is an unspoken way that um, love and, and care is shown but I think there's no harm in it being spoken and I think for those who experienced it in a young age they don't look back 30 years later and say, oh, I'm, I'm, I regret the fact that my parents um, told me I love you every night. Or I regret the fact that my parents showed I could I regret the fact that I felt like or it was evident that my parents loved and care about me. So I think that's where we might differ a little bit. I, I do think it's no, important. I don't, I, I don't differ. I don't disagree with you. Okay. Um, like I said, but no, my mother... I, I, I see what you mean, though, just kind of like, you know, although we, we, we may not have gotten these things growing up we know now, but there were also those times growing up where, I mean, it would have been nice to know, you know, like, I didn't know, but no, no, I got that. Like my dad didn't tell me he cared about me, but my mom was a loving machine, you know? Okay. True. You did say there was that balance. So yeah, she was, she was a loving machine. She's a love, love, love upon you type mom, you know, which, and I'm thankful for it. You know, it sounded like they were a, a, a productive balance for you. 
the two of them yes. and the differences that they had. Um, may his soul rest in peace. Yes. My mom's going to probably live to be like 95 years old, I swear. It's good to be good. It was, well, the, the my thing on that is that um, when you worry less about things and you just put things behind you or in the back of your mind, you live longer, in my opinion. Yeah, but you would also, I mean, I don't, I don't know your mom, but I think too, though, sometimes the people who take on that extra burden of loving and caring and, and doing for everyone and praying for everyone and being burdened, even if they are carrying their burdens right on to God, but even just their heart is so big that there's so many burdens that they carry um, as they kind of play that middleman between the world and, you know, um, appealing to God for everyone and everything. That can take its toll too. So you know, it's, yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. If if it was, I think what sustains her life and her health is her mentality that you know God's going to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry. You know, because if you see my mom today, you'll think she's in her 40s and she's in her 60s. Mm. You know, so and I think it's that whole thing. And when I was younger, before I wherever you whatever you think of me now, before that this happened, I was a really happy. I was like. Ned Flanders, you know Ned Flanders on, on um, <laughs> no real talk. I was a young African Ned Flanders. I was, I loved everybody. I was loving. I was caring. I had no problems. God's gonna take care of me. Blah blah blah. The, you know, and and I was, and it showed in how I looked. You know, so I, I do agree that you need to have a certain level of that mentality to sustain. You know, you can't just be all worried about stuff. Then yeah, you gotta have a balance always. Yeah. All right. Back to the child rearing matter. Are there any ways that you intend to be different in how you approach raising your sons versus raising your daughters? Yes. Yes. And can each of you just talk about one of those ways and why? Um, I, I, I look forward to raising my son to be more scrappy. Um, to be a little bit more adventurous. So I'm probably going to, let's say if he falls or gets himself hurt, uh, stuff like that, I'm probably going to be more like, <clears throat> um, <laughs> maybe intellectualize his pain a little bit. Like, okay, you're in pain right now, but learn how to get through it. Um, to a I think I'll be, that's I don't know at what age, but you know, like there's a short, there's a video of a, of a guy taking his son to get his shots, and like son had no idea what was about to happen, so innocent looking, and then he got the shot, he started to cry, and then his man said, "Hey, be a man, be a man, you get through it. I'll hug you once. I just want you, I just want you to say I'm a man, and then I'll come hug you." And then the boy tups tups to it, <clears throat> I'm a man, and then the, the father comes <laughs> up, and you know, I'm like that's yeah, that's I- beautiful. I think I, I I idealize that, you know. For all of its problematicness. Okay. To, as long as we acknowledge. <laughs> um, and with my daughter, I want to have a daughter first. I'm going to raise her to be, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm of course going to be a little bit less scrappy driven with her. I want her to be like responsible and uh, yeah, that's the difference I can come up with. Um, so you don't want your son I'll, to be responsible? Of course I do. I'm just saying the emphasis will be different. With my daughter, um, I'm going to show her what a man's love should look like. You know how they say some, you know, men take their daughters on dates. I'm going to do that. Aww. I'm going to make sure this is how you're going to discern whether a guy is serious about you or not. But even outside the context of like, you know, finding a man, right? Um, I, I guess I don't, I don't know what to teach my daughter because I never had a sister, and I've only mm-hmm. had my mom who has a peer who turned out to be more manly out of necessity. So I don't know. Hmm. Um, I don't know. But my, with my son, I know myself and I know what I idealize and like other men. So I'm going to, I guess I have a much clearer understanding of what I'll be towards him than with my daughter. It's a great answer. Mm. Tolu? I agree a lot. I agree a lot with what Camel said. I'll, so for, I'm going to say this. Men get a lot of criticism for wanting to raise their sons differently, mm. but our reality is different when we are, well, our reality is different and that's just what it is. I mean, my experience as being a man 
shows me that I can't raise my daughter the same way I would raise my son. Um, my, I think I'm going to be, like I said, with Cam will be really tough on my son because life is going to kick him in the head as a man. Mm. You know, he's going to, you know, men have to die. What? You know, no, no, I'm saying like when, when a situation, I'll give you an example, when a situation comes up and people need to be protected, the men are usually put out, put out front to die, you know, and I have to teach my son, people are going to expect that of you, you know? So, you know, you know, you got to be tough, you know, um, men get treated differently by police, by other men, by different situations. And I got to raise my son to understand, like, you know, it's not all peaches and cream for you, bro. It's tough out there and you got to be able to sustain it because people are going to depend on you. I'm going to teach my, my daughter a, a degree of toughness, but there are different levels to mm-hmm. it. My daughter has to be very thoughtful. Very, very thoughtful. Um, again, I'm not, I, I am not a woman, so I'm not going to dictate what I think my daughter should learn. I, I'm going to defer a lot to my wife. Mm. But I'm going to definitely teach her to be thoughtful. I'm going to definitely teach her to manage different types of personalities. Um, definitely my, my son, too. But um, my daughter, I mean, women are a lot, a lot of times a little bit more cunning than a lot of men. Okay, but I I think it's necessary because you know women women have it hard. The world takes advantage of women as well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I don't want to say one gender has it harder. I think one gender has it. They have different types of hard. Yeah, I'm saying yeah, women have it hard too, essentially. So you're yeah, yeah, comparing them for what you think right. they will encounter. I have to I have to prepare them for their specific type of hard. You know. Um, okay. Yeah. You. You know, you, you know the upsides to being a good man, and you also know the downsides. So you'll just be instrumental in knowing what the downside of being a man is, and having you be prepared for it. Yeah, like you said, I'm like uh, you know, pain's gonna happen, but you, when pain happens, son, you're not. It doesn't mean you got to stop because you got you. You have people behind you, so don't cry about it. Get up, do what you got to do. You know, you know. And my daughter, yeah. yo, you have you're walking with a thousand dollars. You're walking with two million dollars in between your pants, so you got to be cunning. The, what I'm saying, uh, it's an example. Yeah. What you have, it's a particular example. What you have, right. what you have on your body, is attracting a lot of b- bad people. They want it, and you have to be cunning because they're they're going to be manipulative. They're going to be uh, evil. They're going to they're going to yeah. say things, and you got to be very cunning because what you have there. To me, it's worth more than two million dollars, and I, I, I want to protect you from the people out there. I got to teach you to be, I got to teach you to be cunning and thoughtful, and manage situations and manage uh, personalities to protect you. And I got to teach my son, you know, people are going to look at you differently. Like people might hesitate to do certain things to certain people, but you, especially if you're a big black man, oh nah, you're going to get the brunt of it. So you got to be tough, hmm. you know. Interesting. You really got, you know. That's what I'm just giving you the. People say things, but I'm trying to give the context behind why I want to do it that way. Yeah, no, I hear you. I get it. Um, I don't know that I have the mental bandwidth to unpack it right now, but I hear you, and hopefully your listeners hear you as well. Hopefully. Let me supplement him. Let me supplement what Tolu just said, right? I, I know where he got it from. I don't know if he got it from this source, but I, I heard it from Professor O'Neill. Oh. Y'all hear me, right? Yeah, I hear you. Yep. He said he 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 likened having. <laughs> he said it's sometimes hard for a man to understand what it's like to be a woman, and so he said it's 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 like this. Imagine every man in this world had ten thousand dollars in his pocket, you know, and every part and everybody knew that every man had ten thousand dollars in his pocket. Every person knew. So every interaction that you have, you you're gonna have to discern whether or not wait wait are we are they talking to me because they like me as a person or because they know I have money, you know, um, versus like the reality of today is like you know a man. Uh, doesn't have ten thousand dollars in his pocket. Every man doesn't. So the value of him is not like his value is is, is manifest through other ways, but not by <laughs> the ten thousand right. dollars. If I have a fifteen, if I have a fifteen year old boy and a fifteen year old girl walking down the same street, they're both you know they're both attractive, they're both smart and educated. All like there are going to be two million dudes in her radar trying to get to that fifteen year old girl, 
not too many people are noticing that 15 year old boy. So I got to teach that 15 year old girl, like, yo, you got to be aware of your surroundings. You got to be cunning. You got to be smart. That's right. And that 15 year old boy, yo, you, you need to watch out for that girl. So you need to be tough. I mean, because there, hmm. there are three million dudes in her vicinity, you know, watching her. Ain't nobody watching you yet because you ain't nobody yet. You know, you got to watch out for that girl. You got to be tough. They're going to come at you. They're going to come at both of you. You know, you got to be tough. Hmm. And, and I, daughter, daughter, you have to be yeah. cunning. You have to be really cunning. Yep. Okay. To end on a lighter note, I just want to ask you both, what is one thing that you admire most about women? Go ahead, Tolu. I mean, you're... <laughs> All right, so... um. What do I admire most about women? I mean, you, you gotta. Uh, how can you? There, uh, there are a lot of things you can admire about a woman. Like I don't know how to where to start from. I mean, pick one. Flatter us. Flatter you? I I like. I'm not so. Let me start carnal. I like the way women look. <laughs> you know, that's one. That's one thing that I like. I, I like. Um, I really respect a lot of women who go through what I just explained and are positive and are loving and and, and they still because they have every right to not give a shit about any guy based on what we just we explained. But there are a lot of them out there who are just very loving, kind, and friendly mm-hmm. in, in lieu of the ten, hordes of men trying to take advantage of them. The you know. The hordes of dangers out there, and 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 so I respect. I when I meet women like that, they get a lot more passes than a lot of different people. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I like the female form. Obviously, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I like their capacity to go through. The, the capacity to go through a lot and I mean, anybody can become vindictive and whatever and vengeful, but I think men's reaction to being wronged is like violence or complete, like, uh, I don't know, seclusion, mm-hmm. right? With a woman's is like, it's more likely to be forgiving and accommodating mm-hmm. and understanding. So I appreciate, I appreciate that. But that's depending on the woman, but I do appreciate that. Well, you're welcome i mean yeah y'all do put us through a lot in this life but um here we are still desiring one another yeah trying to treat each other the best we know how sorry Renny, if if we put you through a lot (laughs) we apologize i'm apologizing directly to i don't i don't i don't don't want any apology from any man who has not done anything to me that does nothing for me those who do did what they did can take responsibility, and the rest is just it is what it is. But um, like I said, I'm out here happy, loving, caring. Y'all ain't hurt me. I have great, great male friends. Um, I've met some yeah. great. I don't say great. Some good men over over the years. Have a great man who I shouted out last time, but he didn't know that big, I was talking about him. So big I'm up, just, big up. I'm gonna just be specific. What to my darling dear Mister Onavai in Foster City, California. Shout out to you. Um, he didn't know yeah, you were talking I don't about know. him. That's that's questionable. It's not questionable. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. He just was just like, I don't know who I'm that. Not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm <laughs> like, I don't know who that dude right, over there never. is. My name is X. I'm like, all right. But anyway. I'm just- all right. Let me let him know if he hears this podcast. I knew, he, I knew she was talking yeah, about you, bro. I, I'm pretty sure it was only one guy she was talking about. And I don't even know any of you guys. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, but yeah, this was a good conversation. I enjoyed talking to the both of you. Um, hopefully when, when the world returns back to some set of normal, we can, uh, you know, meet up and continue the laughter, the jokes, the conversation. Um, but thank you for inviting me on to this podcast. Thank you for hosting. I, I trust me, your hosting services may be used. Call again in the future. 
Okay. Yeah, definitely. You know, me and Camel, we always got a lot of stuff. We talk a lot, so well, I talk a lot, so we always got a lot to say. We we definitely need somebody to keep to keep us under wraps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Y'all got a good thing going on. Um, two level-headed, seemingly level-headed people, um, who are trying to better themselves, obviously, to to you know give back, do their part in this world. So y'all be all right. All right. So on that note, ladies and gentlemen, big up to Sweden. I see you out there, Sweden. Um, we're going to and Corona. And well, Corona. Big up to this break that we get for us who are who are thriving in this break. Big up to you guys. Uh, shout out to Corona. We are going to end. We're going to we're going to end there. Um, hopefully, I don't get in trouble. And I just want to thank Camo and um, Rennie one more time, and we'll get back to you with a new podcast and a new episode coming soon but i hope you enjoyed this have a good day bye cool bye bye bye